Live from the old National Bank State Street Studio, across from the historic Chicago Theater, you are listening to Carmen and Yurko on the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. This is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago, a good Karma Brands radio station. To Carmen and Yurko, I am Jeff Meller, alongside today, Ryan Brandell, a.k.a. the man everyone calls Barstool Chief. That's probably the only time I'll actually mention your real name, if that's... Whatever's fine with you. My, I know my mom's listening today, so if you want to call me Ryan, that's what she'd name me, so that's good with me, too. All right. Yeah. Rye guy it is. <laughs> uh, Barstool Chief in studio with me, Jeff Meller. We're in for Carmen Yurk today. We'll also be here tomorrow hanging out with you this was planned. It was not actually just in response to Connor Bedard's. I don't know. Is this was last night his best game as a member of the Blackhawks? Uh, he's he's been playing pretty well lately in general. I would say the last night he had the he had two great goals that were wildly different, and I loved both of them maybe equally. Where that the OT winner he comes in one on two in the three on three just snipes. That's like the classic quintessential Bedard goal to me. The first one though. Mm. Those greasy areas getting to the net. Like, if you don't smell and, like, just start dreaming about playoffs after watching a goal like that, like, something's wrong with you. Because that's, you yes. want to see him go into those areas and finishing in that type of way. All the fancy stuff's great. I love that too. But, you know, those are hard to come by. You got to be willing to do the dirty work. And he does it. Like, he's, he's perfect. He's better than I thought he was. Uh, so it, which is saying something because he was highly touted, but it's like, ah, like, he's a little small. He's a little this. He's a little that. He's, Perfect. He's our beautiful star boy, and we're so lucky to have him. Couple goals last night, including the OT winner that you mentioned. You say it over there, I'll play it over here. Bedard now, Main Street, he scores! It's over! Connor Bedard's second goal of the game. He bookends this one. A first period icebreaker. And an overtime game winner. A couple of goals, of course. That was his first goal in OT and the third period mm-hmm. so far in his young career as an 18-year-old. Pretty awesome to watch last night. And I feel I felt that would be remiss if we didn't at least start talking yeah, get the about buzz going. Some you. positive vibes around here. Especially so- on the heels of the Michigan goal over the weekend. Yeah. Talk, he- talk fans through that. Because here, real quick, let me play that. Because in case they missed it. Or I don't know, you know, it's possible because of the sure. Christmas holidays. Yeah. Some folks may have missed it. But if you did, the Michigan goal, a.k.a. the lacrosse-style goal that Bedard scored, was that might have been the highlight of the year so far. Connor Bedard tracked by Robert Thomas. Bedard shoots wide to the stick side of Bennington. Kurashev plays the rebound for Bedard down low. Bedard lacrosse-style scores! Unbelievable! Connor Bedard! Dude, that was insane. It was indeed. That, of course, <laughs> courtesy of NBC Sports yeah. Chicago. And all right. So if you missed it, you heard it right there. Mm-hmm. The absurdity, the fact that that has become, I wouldn't say commonplace, but, you know, certainly more so. So yes. they call it the Michigan because this guy, I mean, 
feel bad for him. I know, right? This guy, he, his last name was Leg. He played for uh, Michigan in college hockey in the 90s, mm-hmm. and he scored a goal like that. And then we never saw it again uh, until it's been, been used a lot more. Zegras actually Zegers, did yeah. the same thing later that night. Crazy. Um, yeah. And he's done it before. Svechnikov in Carolina has done it before. It's becoming a little bit more commonplace, but it's still is an impossible move. Yes. It's an impossible move just, and Bedard's all in one motion to yes. lift the puck up on a stick and tuck it while moving. He, he's special. He can now, since he's behind the goal line, we can confidently say he can score from anywhere. Like, he can literally <laughs> score yes. from anywhere, any which way, any way you like it. So he he's a weapon, and uh, now it's just, you know, they got to just get some pieces around him. He leads the team now with 15 goals. He's got 32 points in 34 games. Just shy of a point per game right yeah. now. Which and imagine what he would do if they had a, com- a competent power play and maybe one legit NHL top six winger with him, which yeah. he doesn't have. It would be nice if they had Patrick Kane. Be nice if they, who also is a point per game guy right now who scores. You know, he scored. I think he's four games in a row for Detroit now. So uh, if they had another guy, he'd be well over a point per game. Yeah, and so the future looks bright with Connor Bedard. Of course, the Hawks still need to surround him with a whole lot of talent. I guess what's the assessment when you're because because Bedard's lived up to all the hype mm-hmm. and more at every every turn. You know, you saw the the opener. He was trotted out against. Seven, eight of the best teams in the league, all the marquee team names. He was, I, I, I joked when the schedule came out about how the NHL knew they had a shiny new toy and they wanted everybody yeah. to see it. They couldn't wait. To, they showed him off on virtually every platform they had. You know, it was Hockey Night in Canada. Yep. He was the first one there. Uh, Montreal, Toronto. He was their home opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vegas, their home opener, right? When they were yeah, raising the opening, banner. That was opening night when um, they were raising the banner. You yeah. had Boston, yep. the best team in Boston the league last year. twice now already. Like, yeah. So, yeah, he was virtually, he was the home opener for almost every team yeah. that of significance this past season. And last night, I was uh, giddy. I was watching you on Twitter uh, just ecstatic about him accomplishing this stuff at such a young age. Again, though, the talent around him needs to get better quicker. How soon, Rye, until the Hawks, do you believe, can be considered a playoff contender? How far away are we with Bedard? I think we're still a little bit away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it depends. Next summer is a big summer. So they have the lowest payroll in the league right now. They have $30 million coming off the books. Uh, and the cap is projected to go up. So they're going to be able to spend. They have draft capital. Maybe they want to make some trades. Uh, my guy, Matt Murley, from, uh, you know, he's on, on our network on Barcelona Spitting Chicklets. He's here in Rumlins at Elias Peterson or mm-hmm. Pedersen from Vancouver. Uh, is, he's going to be an RFA that they could take a swing at him at the Ooh, name everyone says. Well, well, well. Is, yeah, William Nylander as well from Toronto because they're going to have to. Yeah, they'll be in a cap crunch in Toronto. Big time. So they're going to have to surround them. And if you're the World Juniors is going on right now, the Blackhawks have four guys uh, playing for Team USA. Uh, you know, Oliver Moore, Frank Nazar were first round picks. Gavin Hayes has been a good player in the OHL. And then Sam Renzel, the defenseman. But none of them are really in, uh, like, big roles. Like, they're, Oliver yeah. Moore is kind of the 13th forward. So, And we've seen Lucas Reichel struggle this year. Yes, so yes. some of those prospects, even though they're first-round picks, they're not guaranteed to be top six guys. They might just have to go out and buy it, which is fine. Yes. You know, as long as, you, as long as those picks turn into NHL regulars, I think you can call that a success. And they're going to have another top five pick this year, too. Hopefully, number one. That would be Macklin Celebrini. And, uh, and then if, you, if all those things kind of come together, you, you, I think next year, if they, do, if they get a Pedersen or a Nylander, then you can start thinking about, all right, maybe we're pushing for a wild card. 
Uh, but certainly the year after that, you, Bedard's third year, you would want them uh, in a playoff spot. Yeah, so maybe a couple years away yet till they're still competing for a playoff spot. But Connor Bedard makes them must-see TV on a nightly, whenever the Hawks are playing. Yeah. At least for my purposes. there's or you log on to Twitter and watch the highlights. There you go. There's yeah, plenty that, of those, too. That might be the best way yeah. for you know casual Hawks fans to consume Connor Bedard right now. Because mm-hmm. if he's not on the ice... Yeah, right now these that's when it gets a little bit uh, of a tough. It, it's watch. a hard watch. It's been a hard watch for most of the year. But look at there, those moments of brilliance. It just it, it is fun to be feel like you're in on the ground floor or yes. something. And and they're still in a way. I, I was talking to people. You know, I do the Twitter spaces yes. after the game sometimes, and it's like, how many guys on the team right now will be on the team when they're good? And I think the answer is three. <laughs> it's Korchinski, Vlasic, probably. Uh, and Bedard, you know, for sure. So you're talking about 18 new skaters, mm-hmm. you know. So that's, you know, it's, it's going to be significant roster turnover in the next, you know, two years uh, before they're good. And, the you know, the other guys are just going to have to be good soldiers for a minute here and be good pros. And uh, But they're bad. They're a horrible team. They're yes. horrible. They're horrible. But they do have, we do have that star boy, which makes it tolerable. Absolutely. And they still do. They can win the NHL lottery one more time in the next five Correct. years and be rewarded with a top pick. There's that NHL rule. I'm sure a lot of uh, casual fans are not familiar with, but the NHL introduced that new uh, rule in 2022 yeah. where you can only win the lottery twice in a five-year period. The Edmonton rule. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. They won it like four out of six I mean, years or something. Freaking Edmonton. Yeah. They had to go and just ruin it for everybody, and they still have yet to win a cup. So thanks, thanks a lot. Final. Yeah, like they're, and that just shows because they do have the best player in the world, and another very yeah top player in dry and they just can't quite figure it out so that was the the special thing about the hawks the last time is that they won one when taze and kane were on rookie deals and they won another one when they're on their kind of bridge deal or two when they're on those bridge deals making six million and then after that just gets very very difficult yeah no that's uh that's a great point with edmonton having McDavid, the best player in the league, which maybe one day Bedard could be the guy who ultimately takes that from him, mm-hmm. you know, maybe five, six years from now when yep. McDavid has aged a little bit and maybe is not as dynamic as he is. But to have a guy who potentially could be in line to take that mantle is pretty cool yeah. here in Chicago. And now the now Kyle Davidson, just uh, Kyle from Nashville, just needs to get to work. <laughs> yeah. uh, so far, I've been encouraged by yeah. him. And uh, nights like last night are fun for diehard Hawks fans who, you know, that's what you want to see. Yeah. Two goals, the OT winner, the team success in conjunction with his success. That's where you really start to get excited, at least me. That's yeah. how, that's what, that's and how there I'm. is just something about that building when it's rocking. And around the holidays... Did you feel it last night? Oh, because coming through the TV, and I, I've been a couple times yeah, yeah, in the yeah. last month, and, and I always feel around the holidays, because people give tickets as gifts a lot, so the building's going to be full, it's going to be energetic, and uh, it's been... When it's when it's rocking the right way, like the last game I was at, the Anthem was... Oh, it felt like old times. Love it, man. And there's just nothing better than that. So I really hope it, it gets good again on a consistent basis, and, you know, probably not going to win three cups like the last time, but just, you know, being in the mix and having big games, and, like, there's nothing better than that big game feeling as a fan, and being in Chicago, we don't get very many. We yeah, haven't had right. we haven't had a big game in I feel like five years across the board in any sport. So uh, I'm looking forward to some some better days ahead 
for all the teams here. No doubt about it. Uh, I, fi- I figured I would be uh, remiss if I didn't do a Bedard breakdown with you in studio with me. Barstool Chief hanging out with me, Jeff Meller. We're in for Carmen Yurko. We'll uh, turn our attention to the Bears next. Luke Getze, the Bears OC, met the media earlier today up at Hallis Hall. We'll let you, he's everybody's favorite OC, right? Mm-hmm. We'll let you hear what he had to say about the improvements of Justin Fields so far this year and some of the complacency by the offense. We'll do that next right here on Carmen and Yurko. Working from home? We're back in the office. Don't miss a minute of Carmen and Yurko. Just ask your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Jeff Miller, Ryan Brandel hanging out with you in for Carmen Yurk today. Ryan, a.k.a. Barstool Chief, for all those in the know, you see him on Barstool breaking down the Hawks. We just did a Bedard breakdown for those who missed it. You can check that out on the pod. It'll be available. I really enjoyed that. At 1 o'clock. I did as well. Again, I felt uh, remiss not to uh, lead the show when Bedard had what I believe is probably his best game when he talks about team accomplishment, what he did, you know, the uh, author of the two lone goals for the Hawks, including that OT winner, despite the fact that everything he's done this year has been, um, I think he's lived up to the hype, to say the Absolutely. least. Absolutely. You know, so um, that was fun. So if you missed it, you can check that out on the pod on ESPN Chicago app. Um, but let's turn our attention to everybody's favorite team here in the city. Of course, I'm talking about the Chicago Bears. Bears OC Luke Getze met the media a couple hours ago. And, of course, this has been the push and pull, Rye, for a lot of uh, folks out there. Who's most at fault for the Bears' offensive struggles this year? Is it their quarterback or is it their offensive coordinator? Before we dive into what Getze had to say, what's your thoughts? My thoughts are that I just don't know. I don't know. I, I, my, I'm leaning more and more towards, like, this is... This is a Getsy problem um, because I think, you know, you watch some of these film breakdowns. Chase Daniel does a great one on, on YouTube, these other guys. And it's like, you know, if they d- gave him a little bit of help and like move the pocket and he, he is, he does have, he has the talent. Mm-hmm. He has the talent. And if, if he was allowed to utilize some of his traits that made, made him successful last year, that's kind of what I was expecting. That we would still have the dynamic running. That he was over a thousand. What was eleven hundred yeah. yards last year? Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen that at all this year. Like how that disappeared, I don't know. And it was like, all right, let's go back and let's make him Drew Bledsoe. And it's like mm-hmm. he's a statue back there. And it, and that to me is is game plan. And uh, so I would love it if they ran an offense more suited towards Fields' uh, skill set. Um, but at the same time, if someone came in and was like, hey, like we're going to go a different direction at quarterback. It's hard to argue at that point either. And I like Fields, but it's just, I don't know. It's been so many starts without that leap forward that you would want. So, and I will uh, admit that I'm fortunate enough to work with Tom Waddle very closely on a daily basis here. And Waddle, you know, you're right. Chase Daniel does a great job. But there's also plenty of people out there who can point out lots of plays, generally three, four, sometimes five, six a game, yep. where there are, and I'm not talking about just snapshots of a wide receiver being open. I'm talking about watching the All-22, watching the route concepts mm-hmm. of the entire Bears offense on plays, and then seeing lots of wide receivers that are wide open, 
where Justin Fields seems to be tentative about throwing the ball. And occasionally you'll see throws where he, even though he may complete them, there are times where he's late. Yep. And I, I believe, actually, too, I should mention, too, Sylvie actually just uh, posted his weekly column where he officially said that uh, he's done with Justin Fields. He doesn't think he's the guy here in Chicago. I know that'll be a large portion of his show later today when uh, Jesse Rogers joins him at 2. We'll cross talk with mm-hmm. them at 2 o'clock. But I've seen... I think the problem for Justin Fields, the alignment of Luke Getze and Fields, yeah. feels like it was just a, a, a bad marriage. It didn't yep. work out. And I think ultimately, Justin Fields may go on to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. Um, I don't think it will be here. I don't think you can reset his his situation, having to make the decision on the fifth-year option this year along with, and then give him a new OC, a third mm-hmm. in his career. I think it just, it doesn't And round and round we go. Yes. And round and round we go. And that's one of those things. I I always really like Jay Cutler. And, Me too. And that was a guy who was changing his offensive system coordinator every 18 months, yep. it felt like. Yes. And we just get, get stuck in this cycle, and I hate the cycle, but I think I'm advocating for the cycle again. It's like I wish Getsy, I wish I believed in him more, so we could just be like, all right, yeah. this is this is our group, and we're going forward. We've seen enough, and it's just I don't think you've seen enough from anybody. So if somebody, you know, like if if they stuck with Fields, I wouldn't hate it. If they made a decision to move on, I'd be fine with that too. Yeah, well, and the the good situation, at least for the way I look at it, is you're in the unique position where you're likely going to have the number one overall pick. And so most teams that have a Justin Fields in the fold don't end up having mm-hmm. an alternative as good as the Bears could have in front of them in this offseason. If they're good alternatives, well, which I don't fair. really like Caleb Williams or Drake May. So then it's, you know, so I, but you are resetting the clock, I guess. And it's but it's I feel like a lot of the problems that you have with Fields are going to be there next year with whatever rookie quarterback you have. So it's it's like you know, damn if you do, damn if you don't situation. So here's uh, Luke Getze earlier today at Hallis Hall talking about Justin Fields. Luke, understanding the big picture with this franchise trying to find its long-term quarterback, how have you seen Justin progress towards that goal? Again, that's a that's a, a, a deeper question than just about where we're at right now. I think what just regarding Justin, there's been a tremendous amount of growth. I mean, where he's... Uh, just in this season alone, how far along he's come, um, you know, taking care of the football, um, being in control of the game. I think that's been the coolest part since he's come back. I just feel like he's in control uh, when he's out there. I think that's been a lot of fun to see. Um, and like he's, like we talked about already, like the sack part of it, he's, he's limiting the sacks. We're not turning the football over, and we're giving ourselves a chance to win those games. And, we're, and now we're doing that. In what ways have you seen him kind of make the, the biggest strides individually? I think there's been a lot of them. I think he um, – you know his ability to uh, to progress is better. His footwork is better. I think uh, the protection part of it is outstanding. Um, the completion percentage part of it is good. He's throwing the ball accurately. I think the extended play part of it has been a lot of fun to see him progress through that. Um, so there's been a lot of areas. I'm leaving other stuff out, but I think there's been a lot of really cool stuff that Justin has grown through this year. So Luke does a good job, I think, of playing the game that he needs to play. Matt Eberflus did that as well, especially with uh, Waddle and Sylvie on, was that Tuesday? Tuesday, when he met them, he was, of course, Christmas Day was Monday, so he normally joins them 2-10 the day after a game. But, they're, you know, they're, they're not, they're being non-committal, and mm-hmm. that's the role right now when you get asked those big-picture questions. I'm not, I think the Bears at this point, it'd be kind of crazy 
if they haven't made up their minds, like to leave it to the final two games of the season when you've only got a one percent chance of the playoffs. Like if, if these two games are going to ultimately move the needle as to which direction the Bears are going, I think that's malpractice. I do. I also think those comments from Getty about how much progress he made mm-hmm. is almost like, uh, hey, look at me. He's made progress. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe I'm doing all, maybe things aren't so bad. But mm-hmm. then you look at the numbers. Like, I don't remember the Cleveland game. I mean, it was a disaster how it ended. I walked away from that game being like, ah, Fields is okay. 19 of 40 for a 166. That's not good enough. No. You know, like, exactly. And it's like when you get, well, and, and he wasn't quick, horrible, but it, it's not like, you man, know what it was, though, too? Don't, Eight of their 16 possessions, they were three and out. Yeah. And that's where I get back to the things where there are some receivers that are open where Justin Fields, I think the biggest issue why I can't make an intelligent assessment of Luke Getze is because there are plays there to be made that I don't think Justin Fields does a good enough job, at least NFL caliber, to keep the trains moving on time. I would agree, but then at some point, isn't it the offensive coordinator's, the play caller's job to give him more plays that he can that he can make, that you tailor it to that player's skill set? You're supposed to get the most out. Your job as a coach sure. is to get the most out of the talent that you have. Like I can't stand it when a college coach, like this is a yeah. not the best example, but you know the guy who came in after Paul Johnson, Paul Johnson ran that Navy Absolutely. offense, the wing T, and the guy that came in, he's like, I'm not a wing T guy, but this first year, yeah. all my players are wing T guys. We're gonna run some wing T while we put the other things. <laughs> yes, in. yes, and and we recruit better players. And I I do feel like Getze was like, well, I had Aaron Rodgers, and that offense worked with Aaron Rodgers, so we're gonna basically run that for Justin Fields. And if it doesn't work well that's his problem not mine and that to me is like the wrong way to look at it and and the wrong way to be a coach and it does feel like that's what they're doing uh so yeah we'll see we'll we'll see how it goes but it's just it just there doesn't there doesn't there isn't an attractive solution from where i'm sitting right now because i don't like the quarterbacks at the top i hate changing coaches but they have to change the coaches i think they have to change both you got to fire everybody head coach oc it all needs to go the whole thing they already fired the running backs coach and the defense coordinator for hr reasons so just clean house and start over and get go give Harbaugh a gazillion dollars. Give I him all that. the money in the world. Give him equity in the team if that's what it takes. Give him everything to come here. We will get to that. I do want to uh, give us a little bit more time. Maybe at 1245 we can uh, dissect your Harbaugh plan. Okay. Courtney Cron is going to join us at 1230. But before we get there, I do want folks to hear from Justin Fields as well. He spoke yesterday in between the Carmen Yerko shows. So this was Justin Fields when he was talking about some of the leads that the bears have blown so far this year i think it might be a a mixture of execution and a little bit of complacency but um you know we've had too many instances this year where you know we've had a lead and given it up so um i don't i don't know that'd be a question for you know everybody on the offense i'm not sure but you know my job is to stay on those guys and uh you know make sure we're you know (laughs) focused on each and every detail each each play we're out there so um you know my goal is to you know try and score every drive so if I do see that low in the offense and everybody else, I just try to get everybody up and I'm just trying to get them to, you know, reset and be able to, you know, just start the game how we started last game. So, um, yeah, but like I said, we're working on that, trying to sustain that hot start that we you know, had last week. So just starting that way every game and then being able to sustain that through four quarters. So It's like the two were playing a subtle game of metaphorical tennis. In yeah. terms of <laughs> how are we going to subtly blame the other person for yeah. some of our issues? Luke Getze was then asked about that comment from Justin Fields. Justin mentioned that he thought some of the inconsistencies offensively were a mix of lack of execution and complacency. Is that how you have observed it or what have you thought of that? 
Um, I, I mean, it's always going to come down to a lack of execution. I think that's part of it, right? Whether it's uh, uh, whether it's a particular person or whether it's a, the chemistry of two people making decisions together, being on the same page. That's that's the growth of an offense, right? I think that's the, uh, there's 32 teams that are trying to master that craft, right? And it's it's the impossible perfection, right? That's we're we're chasing it. Uh, and as long as you continue to get closer and closer to it, I think that's that's the goal. And I think, um, you know, you know, hopefully the other part isn't true. You know, I mean, because guys can't do that. Not in this league. This, 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 this. They'll, no matter who you're playing, they'll come up and grab you if you do. Hopefully, and you know, the complacency part isn't true. That's Luke Getze meeting the media earlier today. The only conclusion I come to at this point is I think between the two of these, these are going to be the last two games that Luke Getze and Justin Fields work together. Like I don't think I both think can be back. I don't think both. Can, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I don't think both can be back next year. The only way, and I hope this isn't true, is if the 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 ownership is just like we're not paying two coaches, oh, boy. which we which is yeah. what they did with John Fox. Where they they knew they were firing him after that third year. They knew before the year, and they, they, didn't want, they didn't want to eat two full years of John right. Fox money. They were like exactly. Boy, I hope so, that's not the case. Could be. No, you're right, though. It's certainly... <laughs> Historically, you know what? there's brought, precedent for that here. They've brought in Kevin Warren. I think we're mm-hmm. all kind of cross, crossing our fingers saying that this is a new era of Bears football with him in charge. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting a few weeks ago that they announced that he was going to have greater oversight into football operations because when they hired him, it was like, he's going to f- do the stadium yes. and do all the other things, and now he's... Seems like he's the head guy in charge for everything. That's Barstool Chief. I'm Jeff Meller. We're in for Carmen and Yurko. Courtney Cronin joins us live from Hallis Hall next. Zoning out on that Zoom meeting? Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Find out what Carmen and Yurko were talking about. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Sitting in for Carmen and Yurko today, a.k.a. Barstool Chief. Hanging out with you until 2 o'clock. We'll crosstalk with Sylvie and Jesse Rogers, who's in for Waddle today. Oftentimes, Rye, the, uh, this week before New Year's and in between Christmas and New Year's, a lot of people kick back, relax a little bit, take a few days off of work. Not our next guest. I feel like every time I hop in my car to drive to work, I hear Courtney Cronin hosting a show, and then I hear her asking questions at Hellas Hall. Then I turn on my TV, and sometimes I see her on Around the Horn. She is the busiest person, I think, in media right now, despite the fact that the Bears have a 1% chance. Perpetually on my timeline on Twitter. Right? Perpetually. Non-stop. Yeah. Yeah. She does Breaking stop. news left and right. And now she's joining us here on the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline on the Carmen Yerko Show. Courtney, where do you find the time? You make time, right? Like, didn't they say you make time for the things you want to do? It's just there's, I guess you sleep when you're dead. There you um, go. Or sleep in the off season. I have a pretty severe sleep debt at this moment. So whatever happens week 18, we're going to be trying to catch up for it at that point. There you go. Love it. All right. So, Courtney, um, we've played some of Luke Getze from earlier today. Any takeaways for you from what he said in regards to, you know, I kind of joked with Rye about how the fact that it's like almost like a a metaphorical game of blame tennis, but subtle blame tennis between him and Justin Fields. Can, if you see it, interesting, right? You can read interesting way to phrase it. Yeah. Because you can, you can almost read felt that there was some of that today. Mm -hmm. And I think that the last couple of days, like you heard Justin Fields talk up there yesterday about, 
kind of where he's at, and, I, and that thing that Matt Eberflus gave him, it said, like, I don't know, if it, we don't know what it was. Like, the thing, you know, the 200 thing, so, like, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, zero turnovers, or excuse me, zero sacks. So that's like that was the goal for Fields when he came back from the thumb injury, and by and large, he's been able to, to reach a lot of that uh, for the last couple of games. And when you talk to Luke Getzey about where the progress has been made and where you know where Fields has, has to go and some of the elements that like continuously pop up, like can he read a defense, all of these things, like he danced his way around it and without like giving you much, uh, which I expected. I mean, but there has been this week more than any other week, I'll say, at Hallis Hall in 2023 that there's been like some subtle shots. I mean, from Matt Eberflus talking about the offense earlier in the week when he says we need a staple play on uh, third and one or fourth and one, and when they're talking about the deep passing game, the fact that they're 27th isn't good enough. And I – I just I, I get like I don't think it's malicious. I just think that at this point, there's there's jobs on the line. There's futures that are yet to be determined or at least like publicly declared. So, typically, when you're in these sorts of tenuous situations for a team that isn't in the postseason, um, you know the people are a little bit more honest. I wouldn't say that like it's calculated or it's malicious by any stretch. But even with Luke Getzey up there today talking about you know, this offense and whether what Justin does is sustainable, like he still like wouldn't answer fully. Like when I asked him like 170 passing yards, 97 rushing yards, is that the formula to win versus 300 yards passing consistently? And you got some of the answer there about how Justin's been avoiding hits and, and all the good things that, that have come when, when he runs, like he is getting, he is sliding, he is making progress there to, to avoid contact, but you still don't know, about him as a consistent passer, and that that's been the question all off season, all season long, and and now it'll be the question as we head into the the off season and when they ultimately have to make a decision at the quarterback spot in a couple of months. Do you think some of these? You said it's subtle, maybe a little cryptic. Do you think there's an element of protecting uh, trade value for either that number one pick because they're sticking, or protecting uh, Justin Fields' value on the market for in Atlanta or whoever? Uh, by just not trying to say too much, because if you're like, "Hey, we're out on this guy," well, then everyone knows you're, you know, you're out. So, you, so that you drive question. your own price down. Well, it's a great question, but like, are we sure that the people who are currently on this coaching staff are going to be making that decision? Like, I mean, they may be told, "Hey," and they, they would know. Like, you don't say certain things to like tank the value of your guy. I mean, that's why you read the tea leaves with coaches. Coaches lie all the time, like out to outward publicly because there's no benefit to the organization sometimes to tell the truth about how they feel about guys. But I don't know if that's as calculated from like Getty and Eberflus as, as at least that could be perceived. I like the theory, but we also have no idea if Eberflus and Getty are going to be making that decision on the quarterback for next off season, like someone here will have to. And I'm sure that they appreciate the way those questions have been handled at least, uh, you know, publicly speaking. But I will also point out that, you know, there is some of that, too, that I think that they just, they really do believe that they have put him on the right path towards growth because, you know, it helps them to publicly say those things instead of, yeah, no, he just isn't getting the coaching or this is the wrong, you know, this he's done this wrong. It's, it's all been a disaster because it hasn't. Like, there is some a lot of truth to, like, how well he's played in moments this year. You just don't see it consistently enough, I think, to be able to hedge the future of the franchise and passing up on a, on a number one pick uh, overall pick on your quarterback. But 
there's, um, you know, I mean, for him to play well these final few weeks doesn't just benefit the Bears if they ultimately keep him. It benefits his trade value if teams see that. So the idea, like, oh, he has nothing to play for, that's nonsense. He absolutely he has everything to play for if he's not going to be here, going to a place that's, that's going to want him and also give him an opportunity to, to continue his path as a starter. Courtney Cronin joining us here on Carmen and Yurko. Jeff Meller, Barstool Chief, in for the guys today. Courtney, do you think you mentioned Matt Eberflus talking about needing a, a you know, got to have it play in those third and fourth and short situations. Do you, did you detect a little bit of a fracture between Eberflus and Getze? Do you think there's the possibility where Matt Eberflus could be back next year with a new offensive coordinator, which I think, you know, the one concern would be what good offensive coordinator would truly want to come in and work for Matt Eberflus, knowing that he would be on the hot seat in his third year. I, I think that that is a scenario that could play out, but you know, the Eberflus talking about the, the, the short yardage plays and you got to have a staple. I think he's just exasperated and this is somebody who's been very measured up there. I mean, sometimes he has talked himself into a circle, and sometimes these press conferences haven't gone well. But this was the most honest you've probably heard him about the offense. And he's, he's saying what we're all thinking. Like, why the hell are you taking a direct snap to Roshan Johnson on third and one from your own 34-yard line or whatever it was when you have a 230-pound quarterback who, if you push him the right way, can get across the line line of scrimmage and get you that first down. Like, they overcomplicate stuff. And that's, I think, for, for Matt Eberflus, what he's getting at here with some of these short yardage plays just have not worked out for this team, whether it's, you know, the sweep to, to DJ Moore on fourth and one, or rather, excuse me, the sweep to Tyler Scott on third and one in Cleveland and the fourth down play with DJ Moore against Detroit. Like, Go to your bread and butter. Go to what works so well for you. And when you have a quarterback who has that powerful of legs, you use that. So there's that element of it. And then I also think that in terms of like the, the you know, his timeline, if they're going to keep Eberflus, I am confident that they're gonna have to link up him with the court with whoever the quarterback is. And if it's a new quarterback, then you end up giving Matt Eberflus probably a contract extension or at least put him in line because you for something like that. Because what has this team always done? Like always yes. done. And it's just the stupidest thing when you have a a an outgoing head coach with a new quarterback, somebody that he didn't pick, or the new coach comes in and it's a quarterback that wasn't his guy that he inherits. That is like the first thing that they have to do to break this cycle of mediocrity and break the cycle of doing things the same way that they've done for decades because it's not fair to either party that you're you know hitching your wagon to something that might not be here and that could end up costing you your job like that's that's they have to get the timelines right on all of this which is why when we talk about the quarterback position and what it means for the team like you're going to have a good idea I think of the direction they're going to go based on what happens week 18 the Monday after week 18 with the coaching staff is the fact that Getze is on the hot seat with Everflus and they've already removed the defensive coordinator for an off-field issue and the and the running backs coach, is that a black mark against Everflus? You know, the defense has been turned around since the sweat trade, but it's like you had an opportunity to hire your staff and you have utterly failed. Is that something that gets taken into consideration by Poles and Warren and whoever is going to make the decision on Everflus? Is like, look, like you you failed at filling out your staff. It has to. I mean, I know that those were things that, you know, the season's been so damn long that it, like, feels like that happened two years ago. But, 
that's all part of it this year. Like, and that has to go into the evaluation of what Sluice has done from week one all the way till the end of the year. I think the on-field result is going to weigh heavier than, you know, what happened with David Walker, what happened with Alan Williams. But that's, you know, that's also like, who do you trust? Who are you bringing in here? That's a definitely, it was not a great look for him as a, as a coach for that to happen and for that to fall on him because ultimately he chose his staff and he didn't get it right in a lot of respects from an offensive coach to a defensive coach, somebody who was with him and speaking of Alan Williams since 2018, like he knew Alan Williams and mm-hmm. I, you know, Alan Williams put him in a, in a tough spot. So that ends up being very much a part of the evaluation. But I also think for Ryan Poles too, I mean, Brian Poles has knocks against him. Chase Claypool didn't work out. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean just because he got Montez Sweat here and, you know, everything's been awesome with Montez Sweat and his defense, that that erases that. Does that lessen the sting of losing that second-round pick and everything else? Sure. And if you can continue to have more hits than misses, both coaches and front office members, then that, that obviously will weigh heavier. People are allowed to make mistakes. This is, you know, not an error-free sort of business, but – it, it definitely plays into how they're going to view what he does going forward, if he's going to be the head coach here or not, because you usually only get like one chance to screw up like that. And I'm not even necessarily pinning that all on Eberflus. You can't control what other people do. And we know that David Walker was fired for an HR issue and, you know, the circumstances around Alan Williams resignation are still weird, but that's, um, you know, unfortunately it's, you know, if you're the leader of the team, You know, the buck's supposed to stop with you, and and that gets considered in in his body of work. Courtney, as I let you go, I uh, cannot let you go without mentioning, of course, today a very important day up at Hallis Hall because our longtime colleague, it's the two-year anniversary of the death of Jeff Dickerson, who I know meant a lot to you. I worked alongside Jeff for almost 20 years, and, of course, the Bears will honor his memory by awarding the Jeff Dickerson Good Guy Award today. I believe the ceremony takes place at 4 o'clock. Um, I just, I'll, I'll step aside and let you say what you'd like to say about not just the award, but, of course, J.D., who meant so much to me and I know you as well. It's, um, it's such a cool day, and it's definitely heavy up here today. Like, it's always... You know, it's a t- it's and I I was on radio this morning and uh, you know so early in the morning I was like all right I'm not going to get emotional I'm not going to cry but it, there's been a lot of tears and it's one of those days that just you dread it because you know it's coming every year but I also have tried to think back to a lot of the happy times and I didn't get to cover the beat with JD but I'm here because of JD I have my radio career because of Jeff Dickerson. Um, and I think about those things because he meant so much to so many different people in so many different ways. And when I walk into that media room in House Hall every day, um, it, not, not a moment goes by where you don't feel his presence. And I know that that probably sounds cliche, but it's true. I mean, we see the Jeff Dickerson Good Guy Award uh, memorialized on the wall. And it's it's a neat way for us to kind of keep his memory alive. And, you know, he... Like, my life has changed so much in the last two years because, because of him. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's unfortunate in a way. Like, I always, I always feel weird about it because I, wouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't be here right now. You know what I mean? Like, he should still be alive and he should still be thriving. He was an amazing father. And to me, 
those are the things that I always think about. Like when we were hosting shows, especially COVID summer, mm-hmm. uh, when Parker, his son, who's just turned 13, you know, was in the house doing, you know, he's, he's either upstairs with a dog or he was, you know, outside playing baseball yeah. or whatever other sport he could get into. And watching JD balance all of that while still working, still doing it at such a high level and doing it solo because Caitlin had passed away in 2019. I was in awe of that every day, and I I love him. I'll miss him forever. I mean, I don't think there's a single one of us, especially you know all of you guys at 1000 who got to be with him on this 20 year journey when he was you know working there and covering the Bears. Like, there's an infinite amount of memories, an infinite amount of impersonations. Like, I, whenever I get sad, I just think of his like impersonation of John Fox, and I automatically <laughs> like turn turn my frown upside down, and it's just. It, I'm really, I can't say who the good guy award is yet, and you know, not just listening because they're at practice right now, but it is a really deserving recipient, and I'm excited that his parents, George and Sandy, are going to be up here in a little bit to, to get to be part of that because, you know, when someone passes on, you know, for a while, um, the, uh, there's not pouring of support, but those are people who still are grieving through this, and, and they're wonderful people, absolutely wonderful people, his whole family is, and and we need to be there with them two years removed from Jeff's passing, 20 years removed from Jeff's passing. Uh, Courtney, of all the stuff that you do, I do believe uh, just reminiscing about J.D. is amongst the best. So um, I will say great job by you. I, I, I as well feel um, always a little choked up talking about J.D. on a day like today because he was like you said, for as good of a reporter as he was, he was a better father, he was a better person, and the fact that the name is apropos the Jeff Dickerson Good Guy Award, I mean, that says it all. So anybody who ever had a chance to meet and interact with J.D., I I guarantee they never had a bad experience. So, um, yeah, heavy hearts, we think about J.D. today, and just want to say thanks for joining us today here on Carmen and Yurko. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Courtney Cronin joining us here on the uh, CarX Tire and Auto Hotline. I'm Jeff Meller. He's Ryan Brandell. In for Carmen York on ESPN 1000. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. In for Carmen York today, hanging out with you until 2 o'clock. We will cross talk with Sylvie and Jesse Rogers, who's in for Waddle today. I'll put in a little bit. I think we both made a face, Chief, when Courtney Cronin, who joined us last segment, mentioned the idea of Matt Eberflus potentially getting an extension. I thought I misheard her. Right? Like, I, we were talking about it in the break. I'm like, wait, was that? That was, I thought I had imagined that and was just going to move on. That seems. Insane to me. Insane. He's got the worst record of any coach. After It took him, what, 18 months to get a win streak of two games? Like, what are we talking about? There has to be some level of merit to get an extension. He's yeah. been a disaster on the field, off the field, every which way. For him to get an extension, it would be like, this is just, this is worse than the same old Bears. And you're, it does feel like that would be worse than what we're accustomed to with the Bears, where you just kind of let the coach have an extra year even though it's pretty apparent that they don't deserve it because you don't want to pay that extra year of salary to a head coach but and my my eyes like like got really wide when she as she was saying it if you're watching us on twitch you you saw that but 
it's not crazy if your plan is to change the offensive coordinator. It does because that's the problem is how are you going to we're entice? Stuck. No, I, 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 we're I had, stuck with a guy who hasn't done anything good yet. It's insane. It's insane. You cannot give him an extension. I'm speechless. But again, her. It's not insane if your plan is to change the OC, though. Yeah. It does make sense because how are you going to entice an OC worth their salt to come in and and, and work under Matt Eberflus if he's on the hot seat? Yep. I'll say two nice things about Matt Eberflus. It seems like the locker room stuck together. Yeah. Okay. Fair. There's something to be said for that. And the defense, once they had sweat, has been in unbelievably better. Yes, like versus what we saw at the beginning of the year. So, with talent, he has the ability to call a good defensive game. He did blow it with that one uh, where they had the you know jailbreak blitz on that. Uh, I think it was against yeah, the Browns. Justin game. Jones, yeah. in coverage, awful. And he followed well, that up with the second week in a row yes. doing it okay. last week. Right. So, but that's what I mean. Where it's like it's. Look, credit to him for whatever the guys seem to like him. I don't care if the players like the coach. Win games, win more games. play hard, and and like let's let's have we need like an icon kind of. We need a Harbaugh, and we just can't. I'm so tired of this cycle and like the. And this is such a petty thing. His press conferences are a disaster, too. No. And it's just like, I don't want to be... I'm infuriated on Sunday. I don't want to be infuriated on Tuesday, too. Let's expand on that. He's Barstool Chief. I'm Jeff Meller. We're in for Carmen and Yurko. 312-332-3776. If you want to jump on in, talk some bears with us, we'll do that next here on ESPN 1000.